0: This week on the Digital Dust Podcast. This is mainly just me word vomiting at you about books that I love and that I think that you might love. Hello and welcome back to Digital Dust. I'm Katie and I'm alone. Welcome to, I think, our second solo episode ever They don't happen often, but sometimes, guys, we're just too busy. So, welcome to this, a solo episode with yours truly, and we're going to talk about historical fiction. If you watch the TikToks or you follow us on Instagram, you're going to know that I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books. Last year, I read 145 books. I also read a lot of books in advance. I um, use NetGalley, which is a website to get electronic advanced reader copies, eARCs, of books that are coming out in the near future, and then reviewing them. Sometimes I review them on TikTok, sometimes I put a review up on Instagram, and sometimes I just review it on Goodreads. Now, this is already becoming an issue. Again, I've plugged our TikTok once, but let's hit it again. I recently posted a video that was just the collection of things I had deleted from recent TikToks. And that's because I edit like nobody's business. I will do the same TikTok four times in a row just to get the wording correct. I'm going to try and not do that in the spirit of the podcast being a little less formal than my 90-second TikToks. But Liz, wonderful Liz, who is going to edit this even though she's not present, I'm going to try and not... Leave giant spaces where I've cut out like two seconds, more like two minutes, of dialogue. And with that, let's actually talk about today's topic. So we're going to talk historical fiction. We're going to talk books because we have an episode on biopics, the Elvis episode, and then we have two episodes on historical movies, one on the movie Shakespeare in Love and one on The Green Knight. All of those will be linked in the description as always. So, listen to those if you're interested in movies. But I was in two of those episodes, and if you listened, you know I don't really watch movies. I can't, I don't know, I can't pay attention for long enough. That being said, I did recently watch, oh, I recently rewatched Love Simon, which is a fantastic film. It's not a historical fiction, although at this rate, the book, which I just reread, is. It was written in 2015, so it's set in 2014, and it is so dated. In that era, it's hilarious, but the book is good, the film is fantastic, I would highly recommend both. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about historical fiction. So let's talk about it. Actually, I have to do one more caveat. If I sound like I have a frog in my throat, I think I'm on the precipice of getting ill. And if you're thinking, Katie, why are you recording a podcast when you're about to be ill? Well, the option is to record it today when I think I'll be ill tomorrow or tomorrow when I'm ill. So sorry if my voice sounds a little funny. I did do a test and it didn't sound too odd, but my apologies in advance. So I read three categories of historical fiction. The one that you're already going to know the most about is I read ancient historical fiction, focusing in on historical myth retellings. So the most famous being the Song of Achilles, which we have a whole episode about, as well as a number of other stories that talk about the Greek myths, mainly and then occasionally one that's set in ancient Rome. I'm actually not going to talk about any of those books today. I film a bunch of TikToks about them. You can listen to Rage, Revenge, and Retellings of the Iliad. I think that's what the episode is called. It's episode six. Episode five is also called that, but it's like a historical how do we know what happened in the Iliad? And then episode six is all about my thoughts on five different modern takes on the Iliad and whether or not I liked them. And then I've talked at lengths about books like Claire Noyce Ithaca, Jennifer Saint's Ariadne, things like that on our TikTok. So this is the third plug for the TikTok. We're not even five minutes into the episode, but that is my pride and joy. It's my pride and joy. Category number two is a category that I only started really reading after Bridgerton came out. So Bridgerton came out in... Like December of 2020, like the show, not the movie, not the books. And I wasn't even going to watch it. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't really engage in like really popular media because I was a hipster when I was 14 and it's really just stuck with me. But I was told it was enemies to lovers, kind of forced proximity, forced marriage. And I was like, that is right up my alley. I'll watch it. I watched it and I was like, hold on. I think I love this. I had not really encountered Regency or Victorian storytelling before. I had never read, and people find this crazy, any like 19th century books that most people have read. So like Jane Eyre or or like the Bronte sisters or anything like that. The, The most of, this is going to be the wildest sentence. Most of the 19th century literature I've read comes from Russia. And if you've listened to the podcast, I think it's come up. I have lots of Russian history background, so I was reading Dostoevsky and, and other Russian authors of that time. Not I was not doing kind of a literature background, although it would be lovely if Liz, who has a literature background, was on this episode. And if this episode does well, and if you guys are enjoying it, we'll actually bring everybody back on and talk about interesting questions surrounding historical fiction. So like, authenticity versus accuracy and what's the difference and where can historical fiction take leeway and where can't it but I don't want to do that alone I think hashing that out alone would be quite boring for you and for me because it's one perspective so instead this is mainly just me word vomiting at you about books that I love and that I think that you might love so back to it I watched Bridgerton I fell in love with the idea of a Regency Victorian story And I use those words together, and I know lots of historians hate it when people do. But in reality, the Regency period, which is from 1910 to 1920, and the Victorian period, which starts in... Did I say 1910? Oh my god. Which is from 1810 to 1820, and the Victorian period that starts in 1837, there's not a lot of differences in terms of especially the early Victorian period. The later Victorian period, there's lots of changes, there's like major parliamentary changes that are happening in the 1860s and 1870s and lots of laws are changing about the rights of women in particular. But I think that for this fact of storytelling, it actually doesn't really make much of a difference. And I find when people be are pedantic about that distinction, it's really just them trying to flex like a historical muscle to be like, but do you even know what the Regency is? And it's like, does that matter? Like, like Bridgerton doesn't use the right regent. Like, (laughs) I feel like this does get talked about enough, but Bridgerton implies that Queen Charlotte is the regent for King George III, who has a madness, but his son takes over as Prince Regent. And that is what the Regency era is. It is George IV, who is maybe not (laughs) the most loved of kings. Is regent for 10 years before he takes over in 1820 and then dies in 1830 so we talk about the regency like it really really matters and there are lots of important things especially when we get into the period of disraeli and gladstone and the corn laws and the famine which do come in the early victorian period i should say the irish potato famine but for the intensive purposes of historical fiction I don't think it matters. And I know I just said I wasn't going to go into historical authenticity and accuracy, but I felt like I need to say this because I'm going to talk about books that are from the 1810s and I'm going to talk about books that span into like the very late Victorian period, the 1880s. Okay, the last category that I read is a very limited category and that is mainly World War II historical fiction. One major caveat here, so Long-time listeners to the podcast will know I have a specialty in histories of violence. And so a lot of that was the study of the Holocaust. I do not like reading Holocaust historical fiction, unless it's written by the descendants of survivors. There's a lot of reasons for that, and I'm not going to get into them because it's really intense, but I think that there is a lot of good nonfiction out there about the Holocaust. There are a lot of amazing memoirs that you can read, and that the things that historical fiction can do do not need to be done for the holocaust you could even argue that they don't need to be done for world war ii but for me there's a little bit less of a protectiveness of that obviously because the narratives that come out about the holocaust are really important and the way that narratives are structured are really important to combat Denial and what's now more common distortion, which is to say it happened, but it didn't happen in the way that people say it happened. Anyway, so we're not gonna. I'm, I don't read Holocaust historical fiction, but I do read World War II historical fiction. And how do you differentiate that? Because obviously those two things are interconnected. And the way I differentiate it is just this the story being told, the main character being told, is not a Jewish person living in occupied Europe. They are non Jewish. They are usually like a member of the army or they're like a spy or things like that. So it's a little pedantic and it's certainly something that not every person believes, but I I do. <laughs> and that's it. I will recommend some historical fiction about World War II, but again, it's a minefield. Alright, so 10 minutes into what I haven't even promised, but I promised myself would be a short episode. Let's actually get into some recommendations. This is going to come in absolutely no particular order because I can't really think of a good order, but that's just the way it's going to be. So a series that I love that's set in the 1860s is, oh, interesting. Amanda Collins, what Storygraph calls originally Ladies Most Scandalous, number one. So right now it's three books. I don't know if it'll ever be more than that. And the first one is called A Lady's Guide to Mischief and Mayhem. What I love about this series, as opposed to lots of other historical romance I read, is that the romance is only part of the larger plot. So it's about, the first book is about a woman who owns a newspaper and who is investigating a series of murders. And she gets in the way of the head of Scotland Yard, the police division, who is trying to also investigate these murders and the rest of the books are about again investigating crime. So there's like a crime story element to the story as well as this historical romance getting to know each other. One thing about historical romances, especially in the 19th century that I um, <laughs> prefer is that they aren't too steeped in history, which I think is probably the last thing most people expect from a historian. But For example, I read The Viscount Who Loved Me, which is the second Bridgerton novel after the series came out, and I really found it hard to read because it's so committed to the 19th century that there are lots of, like, views that I don't agree with and things like that. And so I want my historical romance to be set in the 19th century, but to be like, you know, women have rights. Enslavement is bad things like that. So this book, these books have that. I would highly recommend them. My favorite is definitely the second, which is called An Heiress's Guide to Deception and Desire, but they're all fantastic. Keeping on the 19th century bandwagon is Alexis Hall's A Lady for a Duke, which is Regency, so it's set in the post-Napoleonic era, and it is, again, it fits right into this category of we're leaning into the idea that there are 21st century values applied onto 19th century stories. And this is about a main character named uh, Viola, which I think actually looking at that might be a Twelfth Night reference, but I don't know that and I'm not going to claim it, which is essentially she gets presumed dead at the Battle of Waterloo, which is a Napoleonic battle for those who don't know. And she has the chance to re-meet her childhood best friend who now thinks that she has died but she has transitioned. So she is a trans woman and she has the chance to interact with her childhood best friend. And it is like one of those books that does longing so well. And I think it's really hard to do longing in the way that this book does it. And that's not to say it's like a really sad book. It is still a historical romance, but it really encapsulates that kind of oppressive world of the 19th century if that makes sense i should say alexis hall writes a lot of books and some of them are really good and some of them are really bad so i recommend a lady for a duke and it's probably the only one that i'd give a full seal of recommendation there have been books like this that i adored there have been books that i have not even finished and there have been books that i have slogged through because i got the e-arc of them and i had to do it and it was such a disaster. So read A Lady for a Duke, but don't think that this is like a door opening into an author who you will read the whole, what is the word? It's discography, but not music of. So hitting on this idea of 19th century historical romance, but adding a little bit of spice, but not the spice you're thinking of, which is historical realism. Again, Pre-2020, I had no idea that this would be something I loved, but boy, do I love it. Here's the general premise, in my mind, of historical realism. It's set in a historical setting, so usually the 19th, sometimes the early 20th century, and it's set in this world, but there is a fantastical element to it. So there are four recommendations. They are all series, I realize, The first one is actually not set in the 19th or the 20th century. It's set in the 18th century, and it's pretty famous on TikTok. It's the Montague Siblings trilogy Uh, that starts with A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. And the first book isn't really historical um, realism. Did I say historical realism? I probably did. I'm sorry, guys. I meant magical realism. That's what I meant. This is what happens when you record a podcast alone and no one is here to be like, that that doesn't make sense, Katie. That doesn't make sense. Okay. Magical realism. You already got the definition. Now it makes more sense. The Montague Siblings, A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. The first one is not very magical. The second one is incredibly magical. So you kind of go from zero to 100. But it's um, a great little series. I really enjoy it. I have heard inklings on TikTok that there's some sort of problem with the author But sometimes I just let sleeping dogs lie, and I just enjoy a book for what it is. I know that there are instances in which you can't do that. Cough, J.K. Rowling, cough. But in this instance, I don't even know what the issue is, and I'm just not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. The second series is Freya Marsk's The Last Binding, which is probably my favorite series, my favorite books of historical fiction, like at all, but certainly of magical realism. So it's about early 20th century Britain. I want to say it's like 1908 or 1910, pre-World War I. Although I think the last book hasn't come out in the series. But so right now, I think it's leading up to World War I. I think it's like dropped hints, if you will, that World War I is coming. So anyway, it's about Britain. And the idea is that within Britain, there's this other society of magicians who can perform magic that functions like contract law it's very confusing and so the first book in the series A Marvelous Light is a lot of world building which can be very difficult but it's worth it because the second book in the series A Restless Truth which I do think should have been called A Reckless Truth but anyway is incredible because you've world built and now you know where you are and it's so much fun to read additionally for all my titanic girls out there it's set on an ocean liner, the second book. The first book isn't. You do need to read the first book to understand the second book, I will say. It's not set on the Titanic, but it's set in 1910 on an ocean liner that's going from New York to London. Obviously not London, whatever Dover, whatever port you end up in. I can't remember. So that's really fun. It's a really good book. It's like, I recently reread A Marvelous Light Because I read A Restless Truth last year and then I wanted to reread A Marvelous Light to kind of like get back into it. And then I'm gonna reread A Restless Truth when in like the fall because of Power Unbound, which is the final in the trilogy, is coming out in the fall, hopefully. Highly, highly, highly recommend. The next books are India Holton's Dangerous Damsels series, which has three books. Actually, as you're listening to this, the third book is releasing today. But there are three books, and again, this is going to sound so out there, but I just need you to stay with me for 30 seconds. The idea is that in Victorian British society, I want to say it's set in the 1880s, there are people who call themselves pirates who can use magic to fly houses. Stay with me. The first book, which is called The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels, is quite difficult because you're wrapping your head around world building like the last series. But then as you get into it, like, you kind of understand it a lot better and it's quite fun. It is like, if the last Binding series is like a really deep look at, like, your place in the world and your connection to others and what it means to, like, share power and all of that, this is just like a a historical romp through the countryside. We're going to fly houses guys it is so much just like a fun time we're here for a good time not a long time vibes but it is so funny it is so fun and i highly recommend it especially if you already read historical romances and you want something that's just a little different from that the second book in the series which is the league of gentlewomen witches is so good but i would say it's helpful to have read the first book it's not necessary, but it's helpful because it does a lot more of the world building than the second one, obviously. The last series that fits into this magical realism category is Nicole Glover's Murder and Magic, which I've actually only read the first book in, the first book in the series of so far, but I will read the second one when I get around to it. The first book is called The Conductors, and basically it's set in 1860s Philadelphia and It's about this main character, Hetty, who can use magic and she used magic to be a conductor on the Underground Railroad. So it's post, it might even be 1670s thinking of it. So it's post the Civil War. So it's no longer about the um, Underground Railroad, but that's what she did. So it's called the Conductors because that's what she was. But now she's using this magic, which is tied to constellations. So you like draw out the constellation and then that constellation embodies something so let's say you draw out canis major it embodies like a dog that can sniff really cool magic and she uses that to like solve crime again you know i love a solving crime in a historical way this is the only one that i'm talking about today that's set in the u.s which if you have u.s recommendations hit me up i find it a lot harder to find obviously most people stick to the kind of like london tawn Bridgerton-esque like we're dukes and we're all of this stuff so anyway really interesting really good sorry for that romp where we went into historical realism (laughs) no magical realism Katie magical realism and now we're leaving and we're leaving in the direction of actually not 19th century romance we're leaving sorry if you can hear me um like meandering about on my computer i'm trying to find i'm using storygraph i've recommended storygraph a million times and i recommend it again and i'm using it to remind myself of these books and and what i rated them so the next ones are again like the montague siblings set in the 18th century not the 19th century so it's very different vibes they wear wigs do you wear wigs do you wear wigs no, I do not. Uh, no, I do not. Which is a little bit... I don't want to be reminded that people wore wigs for most of history. Please. Thank you. But whatever. They wear wigs. And right now it's a duology. I have no idea if it's going to be more than that. Called the London Highwaymen. The first one is called the Queer Principles of Kit Webb, And the second one is the Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes. They are great. To call them historical romance almost feels wrong. Because they feel more like historical adventure... It's basically about this like former criminal who gets roped into doing one last crime with this like son of a duke against the duke. So fun. And then the next one is about that duke's wife, so the duchess, and like her involvement in this crime and like what she does in the aftermath of it. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, so that's where I'm going to end the description. But again, similar to The Dangerous Damsel's series it's like a little fun but it does have a little bit more of like a down with the feudal system there is no ethics under the system that we live in where some people are rich and some people are like struggling to make ends meet so it's a little bit of everything it is really fun i didn't say it's by an author named cast cat sebastian we're getting there we're getting there three more recommendations okay guys We're going to move away from historical romance. If you want more recommendations, is this the eighth plug of the TikTok? Go to the TikTok. I talk about books that I'm reading. I I have a whole TikTok that's just every historical romance I've read and my star rating. Go there. We're going to move. And we're going to move in the direction of World War II historical fiction. And there are two books that I'm going to recommend. You've probably heard of both of them. But I do always like hearing people that I like. Do you like me? Talk about books that I've heard about that I haven't read. So the first one is a book that became a Netflix movie with Lily James, not Collins, Lily James. It is Annie Barrows and Mary Ann Shaffer's The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Which the, the movie is good. Don't get me wrong. The movie is good. I love Lily James. But the book is so much better. The book is written in a series of letters about this newspaper reporter who goes to Guernsey, which is one of the Channel Islands between France and uh, Great Britain, Ireland. And she goes there after the war. So they were occupied by the Germans in the war. And she goes there after to, like, learn about the occupation and write about it. And... It's just like an amazing book. Like, it's just so interesting. We don't talk about the Channel Islands occupation as much as we talk about maybe like the French occupation or the Dutch occupation, things like that when we're talking about Western Europe, of course. But it's really good and it's written in a series of letters and like the characters are so interesting and it talks about resistance and like lots of interesting stories. Uh, the other one, which is kind of World War II fiction, but thinking about it as I say it out loud, it's almost more World War One fiction, which is Kate Quinn's The Alice Network. Once upon a time, I tried to start a book club amongst the listeners, and I tried to get you guys to read this book, but it never actually came to fruition because of a bunch of reasons. So this didn't happen, but Kate Quinn's The Alice Network is basically a duo storyline, duo timeline book about this spy in france in world war one and then she after the aftermath of world war ii so this same spy is helping this american try and find her cousin who lived in france during the occupation and who also might have been a spy um, they're trying to figure that out and they're trying to like go through france to find it and it flips back and forth between these two timelines and these two looks at the occupation essentially one the occupation of parts of france in world war one and then of course the major occupation in world war ii really really great would highly recommend the last book i'm about to recommend is like so out of everything else i've talked about if you've made it this far and you're like what is this i'm sorry i did not plan to have the weird, it's not a weird book, but like to have probably the darkest and most difficult book, probably, definitely, come last. But anyway, my last recommendation is Nathan Harris's The Sweetness of Water, which is about the Reconstruction era in, I can't remember, one of the southern states. So it's about these two former enslaved people who are now trying to like figure out They can exist in a post-Civil War world. And it's about some of the soldiers who are coming back from the Civil War and this kind of like major dynamic change that's happening or not happening, as we've talked about the Reconstruction Era a little bit in our episode on Juneteenth. And so it's a really it's like a really dark book, I won't lie. It's it's quite hard and it's quite emotional, but it is a really interesting book, and like a great look at the Reconstruction Era, which obviously most people don't know about. And certainly most people outside the United States don't know about. Uh, sorry to end on such a downer, but we did go a lot of places, a lot of ways. And I hope that you take at least one of these recommendations. Honestly, you can take none of them. I, I don't take a lot of recommendations on books. I know what I like. I know what I like. And if any of those sounded good to you, please... Read them, DM me, let me know what you think. I always love to hear. And if you have recommendations, so books that you think based on that or just based on your enjoyment of them that I would like, it is becoming harder and harder for me to find historical fiction that I like. And part of that is, a thing I didn't say at the beginning, that I don't read historical romance that has a person on the cover. The closest I've come to that is A Lady for a Duke, which does have a person on the cover. But I only did that because I saw so many people on TikTok being like, this is the best book. The reason that I don't read books with people on the cover is not, I mean, it is like a mental block. I will admit that. But it's mainly that for me, there's a implicit association between books like The Viscount Who Loved Me and having people on the cover. As in like books that don't embody 21st century ideals like women's rights and other people's rights does that make sense anyway what i'm trying to say is don't send me a recommendation if it has a person on the cover i don't want it i'm sorry you can tell me it's the best book you've ever read and i won't read it Amanda collins who wrote that series that i loved has like a million books with people on the cover i will not be reading those i'm sorry i won't do it i know that sounds insane but it's just the way i am i can't i can't process it anyway but if you have recommendations and they have cartoons on the cover, send them my way, please. Every book I mentioned will be listed down below so that you can actually go and see them. I'm going to list their StoryGraph link so that you can go and create a StoryGraph account and then your life will be better. It's so much better, guys. It's so much better. Any book that you want to read will be in the description. If you've made it this far and you've listened to my nasally little voice for like half an hour, kudos to you. You deserve a gold star. I also would like a gold star, most importantly, five gold stars in the form of a review on Spotify. Recently, somebody gave us a four-star review, which I take very personally because four-star reviews just mean that there's one thing wrong, but there's nothing wrong with this podcast. It's perfect. That was sarcasm, by the way. I know that there is a lot of things wrong with this podcast. No wonder we don't have sponsors. Please leave us a five-star review. Follow us on TikTok. Have I promoted enough? Follow us on Instagram. I didn't really promote it that much. Subscribe to the podcast. DM us if you have questions, comments, things you want to know. You can also email us if you don't have social media. Our email is always in the description. And I do check the email, guys, I swear. Other than that, thank you for coming along on this deep dive into Katie's psyche. And I hope you enjoyed. And other than that, I'm going to love ya and see ya on the flippity, floppity, flap. A goodbye. Digital Dust is recorded on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, Haudenosaunee, lenapewak and Attawandaran peoples on lands connected with the London Township and Somber Treaties of 1796 and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant wampum. This land continues to be home to First Nations peoples, Métis people, and Inuit people whom we recognize as the contemporary stewards of the land and waters we are on today. Digital Dust is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Edwards, Katie Gaskin, Patrick Kingan, and Robin Marshall. Sound design by Elizabeth Edwards. Audio transcription by Katie Gaskin. Our theme music is by Matthias Miller.